0: All right, everybody. We are here with Coach Solomon Tentman at Roger Bacon on our first ever inaugural episode, if you will, in uh, current politics. Today is the first episode of Washed Up, um, featuring your host, myself, Mark Miller. Solomon, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How you doing? No problem. Thanks for being uh, number one for me. Okay. You know, as we were speaking before we got on here, um, you know, Solomon is the defensive coordinator at Roger Bacon. Um, so we're going to kind of go round table. I got a handful of questions for him, see what he's got for me. Uh, and then we're going to highlight some of their speed analytics, um, you know, kind of breakdowns that they do for their student athletes over at Roger Bacon. So Solomon, we will start with your UC playing career, obviously a Bearcat. Um, how do you feel that shaped your coaching career now in the high school level?
1: Man, that's a good question to lead off with. Um, I, think, I think it was absolutely just instrumental for me as a coach. Um, you know, I went through three different coaches. Um, technically, obviously, uh, Brian Kelly recruited, left, and then I had Butch Jones for three years, and then going from Butch to Tuberville, um, that was like a that was like a tale of two cities, two different personalities. Um, the best thing I learned from Butch is you know how how a culture is supposed to uh, look, you know how an organization runs. Um, even though it may be in the most kind of sometimes orthodox manner, right. um, it, 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 it was a lot of stuff that he kind of pulled from urban Meyer. And I realized once I got to Ohio state and later after I was done playing, um, a lot of stuff he got from there and then going from him to Tuberville, seeing how, uh, you know, just being, it was more, it was, the main thing I really learned from Tuberville wasn't really from Tuberville as much as it was from the assistants. I mean, he had a great pool of assistants that I learned from, um, Art Kaufman, uh, Eddie Grand, uh. Luke Goodwin, who I still talk to this day, um, and those were the guys who really kind of helped me learn more of what the the intricate nuances of defensive football was. So, uh, my time at UC was absolutely the, of the utmost importance for who I am as a coach right now. Especially all the adversity I went through. Obviously, my freshman year, I went in, blew my knee out. Uh, doctors told me I was I'm not going to play again because I blew everything out and some. Um, um, but I rehabbed 70 hours a day and that taught me a lot of work ethic and I already had a good work ethic going in, not to toot my own horn. But then after that, I was like, all right, if you really want to do this, then you're going to have to, you're going to, have to batten down and get to work. So learning how to put my, apply myself, manage myself, um, but then also having the energy, the passion um, and the attention to detail that it takes to be a successful coach. I got a lot of that from uh, the University of Cincinnati. So that was a good experience for me.
0: Sure. Now, as you said, you know, you had Coach Jones and, and Tubbs was there for a few as you were kind of wrapping up your career at UC, if I am correct And that, um, you know, sound like some influential, not only head coaches, but assistant coaches, obviously. And you as an assistant yourself at Roger Bacon. Um, how do you feel what you've learned from a player's perspective in college? How is that translated to how you kind of build relationships with your your defensive players, your offensive player, you know, all the kids that you're involved with at Bacon?
1: No, so that's, that's another good question. So I think, I think it's important before I even get into that, like people that haven't played football or didn't really pay, play past high school or heck, maybe not even grade school, um, it, you, can, you can coach. So don't let not playing discourage you from coaching. But I will say that playing at that level um, and seeing things from that point of view has absolutely made coaching so much easier for me because I've, I've lived it, I've experienced it. Um, so it's a lot easier for me to just kind of relate to the kids In terms of, okay, you're a linebacker, you're going to drop to three or you're going to drop to two, pass off two when he runs off or stuff like that. And not even like the the details of the scheme, but more so how to handle yourself in and outside of practice and inside in and outside of weights and all that stuff. And how really football is a tool at the end of the day, because it ends for everybody at some point, no matter if you're 25 or if you're 35. Um, how that tool is going to prepare you for the rest of your life. And I think that's the main thing that I try to push through to our kids every single day, we're in the weight room every single time that we step out on the field. Because again, I mean, your, your, your football career can end in a, in a blink of an eye and the habits that you formed uh, and the character that you built, whether it's good or bad, you will have a consequence for it when you are done playing. And that, that will be manifest through the life that you end up living. And you are, you are always able to change that. Um, obviously once you learn your lesson, if it's good or bad, but, um, I, I firmly do believe that uh, Coach Jancic always used to say this the decision you make as an 18 year old, 19 year old will follow you for the rest of your life, so.
0: Oh yeah, right, well said, well said. I appreciate your answer there. Um, you know, as we're talking kind of the recruiting trail, like we said, you played at UC. Um, I was doing some digging on you before we started. I believe you were a three star recruit. Some had you as a two from the things that I saw. Some you had at, some had you at a three, had news, maybe news to you, maybe not, hopefully not. Um, you know, obviously, you guys at Bacon had a, had a very special player this year, and Corey Kiner um, was the Ohio, you know, Division 4 or 5, I'm sorry, Player of the Year, and I think he would just named Max Preps Ohio Player of the Year this year. I'm sure he's, you know, received every award under the sun, obviously, and well-deserved. Um, for a kid like that, you know, with the recruiting aspect of, you know, LSU obviously is where he is going to land. You know, Notre Dame came calling. Everybody, you know, everybody under the sun – how was that as a coach, you know, kind of maybe giving him some feedback on, you know, his process as a, a super high caliber recruit?
1: So I'll just say that, that recruiting process was nuts. Absolutely, like, complete, like completely contrary to what I went through. Um, my recruitment was over in two months, whereas his was drawn out for literally three years. Right. Um, and once he, I mean, coaches were calling once he was a sophomore, but like once that first legal day of junior year hit, it got bananas. Mm. Um, and, you know, the thing about Corey is he's such a level-headed kid, so he never let it get to his head. Um, it got, actually got to the point where he would shut his phone off because it would just be blowing up nonstop. Right. Uh, but the, I think the biggest piece of advice that I gave him through the process is, ch- is trying, to, trying to sift through all the, the nonsense and the bull crap um, that colleges try to throw at you in recruiting, whether it be the, the uniforms or the facilities or the girls or whatever they try to throw at you. I'm like, I, I made sure I emphasized it over and over again. like, look one, you're going to be with your strength coach 75, 85% of the time. So if you don't, if that guy isn't doing anything quality, you might not want to go to that school because that that can make or break your experience at, a, at a school really quickly. Right. Um, after, after I explained that to him, I was like, look, you got to go somewhere if you're not playing football, that you want to be there on campus because you don't want to be one of those guys that just starts transferring left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also finally, one of the biggest things outside of academics um, was the, the relationship that we'd have not only with the teammates that he'd have, but really with his position coach? Because that's after after that, that's going to be who he's going to spend his uh, time with. And I feel like through the recruiting process, Co- Coach Falk um, was one of the top. Was really the guy that was not only texting Corey every day, but was really genuine uh, with Corey every single day. Um, there were a lot of people that sold Corey a lot of uh, a lot of bull crap right. um, throughout the process, but I think after uh, Falk and Unless you won the national championship, he came in, he was straight up on us. Um, he was like, look, we're taking two running backs. Um, I don't know if you're gonna, how long it's gonna be, the spot's gonna be when we offer you, yada, yada, yada. But I remember just sitting in the office talking with him. And then after talking with Corey, after he spoke with Falk a few times, he's like, I feel, how, feel he's genuine. I was like, yeah, that's, that's the same way I feel about him. So that was mainly uh, the advice that I gave him through that. Um, and then also just for future, reference. I always told him, I was like, look, once, once you get on campus and he knows this, I mean, he, it, it, he gets bugged sometimes by, it. I mean, what, what young 17 year old, 18 year old kid doesn't, but I'm like, look, once you get on campus, those stars do not matter. Like they literally do not matter. There is a, there is a one star, negative five star, uh, walk on trying to take your spot, no matter how much he might get pooped on as a walk on. He's, he's, he's there to work every single day. He's trying to take your spot. And at the end of the day, if you guys got the same resources, you got the same facilities, you got the same, uh, nutritionist, all that other stuff, and if that guy takes advantage of it more than takes advantage of it more than you do, you can get your spot taken in a heartbeat. It doesn't matter who it is, and he understands that. And he's actually he's with us. He hasn't stopped working out since the season ended. He's been right. with us nonstop. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him go down there and play. Um, in terms of talent, um, and in terms of talented players, I think he's probably he's top three I've ever seen, like at, at any level, like sure. live, I should say. Right. Um, just watching in person uh, and then not only that, I'd say he's probably the number one kid in terms of like talent, uh, but not letting that talent go to his head. Like I, like he all he is so quick to always give other people uh, the credit for his success. Uh, he's never just talking about me, me, me and this and that. He's always looking to give everybody else. Um, and that's something we never even had to coach him on. He's been like that for a day from day one. His dad did a great job raising him. His mom did a great job raising him. He's like, yes, sir. No, sir, type of kid. I mean, like, if you talk to him, he'll, he's literally always saying yes, sir, no, sir. So that was a little bit of the advice that I gave him. He was, he's like, he's, he's been easy to mentor. Um, he's a very passionate kid. I'm looking forward to seeing him do things down the boot.
0: Nothing, nothing can beat five star talent and then, you know, just a five star kid off the field, like you said, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, as well as I do those things are going to carry you a lot further in life for most of us than, you know, being great at football or being good at whatever it is your job is. You know, those those personal skills that you can develop as a, as a 17-year-old kid, you know, jumping into the stardom that he's going to be in here next, you know, in this coming fall in Baton Rouge is, is going to be bananas, as you said. Um, so, continuing on the Corey Kiner trend here, you know, you as a defensive coordinator, you know, as coaching linebackers at Bacon, you get to see him every day, you know, going up against your scout team and trying to get the offense ready and, you know, vice versa. How does that make your kids better on the defensive side of the ball going up against arguably one of the best players in the entire nation? Oh, it's,
1: it's awesome. So, like Corey would always step in, obviously, play running back, but then he'd step in and because he can catch, he can run routes, he can do everything. So, he'd step in and play receiver. And going against a kid like that on scout team, it's just like, all right, well, you get in the game and like, it's easy. Um, I can say like, we, we, switched, we switched up the way we did tackling this year. Um, but that partner with going against Corey every single day, not only in tackling drills, but then as, as a in team defense against a scout. O, um, he made our tackling ability a lot better this year. Um, you just, you can't buy a look like that. You know, I've, everyone's scouts everywhere are not that great. I mean, it is what it is. There's scouts. Sometimes you get the best available guys in there. Sometimes you don't. Um, but if you got a guy like Corey who's able to get in there um, on scout, that's that that's always a win. It's always a win because you know you're going to get 100% effort. You know you're going to get a guy who's going to go in there and do what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to do it. Because sometimes you know how scout team is. Guys get in there, read the dang card, <laughs> and sure. they go the other way sometimes. So. Right. Uh, it was awesome to have him on that side of the ball or um, on the scout team, but he, he also played a little bit of defense too. So,
0: okay, um, that was good. To, it was good to use him when I when, when I was able to on defense, right? I got to feel as a defensive coach, you would probably had moments where you say, Hey, let me get kinder for a series here. And your, your OC and offensive guys are probably like, No, nah, man, when you know how important he is to us in the offensive <laughs> side of the ball, sorry, we can't use him. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so continuing our, our thread here. Um, you know, speaking of your guys' season, you know, you rattled off, you know, probably one of the best runs in school history. You know, I'm not, I'm not fluent in my Roger Bacon football history. I know you guys have had some great teams in the past, um, but you know, this team is is certainly no exception to that rule. How did you guys handle the success this year amongst you know COVID-19 that all of us were going through? Obviously, it wasn't just you guys. It, you know, it's still obviously very present in today's world in 2021. Even though we thought we were going to shake it, um, you know, how did you guys handle the week to week? you know, the nerves of, hey, are we even going to play this year, um, you know, even in the summer months?
1: So, yeah, it, when, when we when we left for COVID back in, what was it, March 14th, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was devastating because I remember we were just hitting our stride in the offseason program. Um, our attendance was dang near 100 percent. And then we get this bomb like, oh, well, maybe we'll be back in a month. You know, we weren't back in a month and I wasn't going to sit around and wait. Um, so I remember that that next week I designed, I started designing a workout plan that kids could do at home with no weights or anything. I'm talking like crazy stuff, like towel deadlifts, um, isometrics. I mean, you name it. I had them doing it. I found a way to get modifier lifts that way. They could still get better at home. Um, and what I did, um, I was emailing, I think I emailed every single week, if not every other week. Um, obviously I sent out a speed training, uh, thing for kids to do on their own. Um, if they could get time, they could get time, but if they couldn't, they couldn't. Um, but then I had kids, I had kids actually submit their videos of them working out. Like we had so many kids send in videos, like half, if not half, half, if not more than half the team were sending in videos and we were posting them every time, every single time they came in the best one, uh, that would come in for the day. We'd send it in. Um, and I was like, that was, was kind of how we kept the kids motivated from March, April, May, June. And I, I mean, it was depressing because I, I just know like you, we would get on zoom. We would hold team meetings every, every one to two Saturdays. Um, and after that, like you could start to see kids on zoom, it was like, it was depressing because I mean, they were at home, they were cooped up, right. they were on remote learning, which remote learning now is a lot better than what it was then because back then it was just it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And we, we for what we had at the time, it was a, we did what we could. And I felt bad that any kid had to go through that. Right, um, But it was it was a drain on some of the kids. So it was really a testament to them to hang in there uh, and show that consistency uh, from working out on their own at home in the midst of a pandemic while having to do school at all hours a day um, from March until June. So once we got back from June, we, we, we were really slow about it. Um, we, we Cause we, I just assumed like we, we had a bunch of kids in videos and we know that most of the team had been working out, but I wanted to make sure that we didn't get anyone hurt. So we took, we took the first week and a half slow um, once we came back. And then after that, uh, we started to get back into and uh, do our speed training, get back into lifting. Um, and then trying to space out the weight room as much as we could with COVID, and even then we still weren't sure. We still weren't sure that sure that we weren't going to get a uh, going to get a season, but we kept working, we kept working, and then finally in all late mid August we were like they were like, all right, it's go time. So uh, we had our modified schedule, and we and we thankfully we were ready to go. Um, we spent most of our time starting in May leading up to June doing position meetings, doing install meetings. That way the kids didn't miss anything. Um, and then by the time we came back, I mean, it wasn't like super sharp, um, but it was more than what had, would have been if we would have sat there um, and let the kids do nothing. And I think a big testament of that was our captains rounding them up, rounding up all of their groups and our seniors rounding up all the groups um, that we placed them in to text each other, make sure they're checking in on each other. Not even just to make sure that they're doing workouts, but making sure they're just they're all right. Right. Uh, I think that was the biggest thing that we did. Uh, and that that kind of forged the identity. Uh, for our team, I mean, we were, we were, we were ready to play. Um, we stayed ready. We never had to get ready. We stayed ready from that March when we broke uh, all the way down to freaking the playoffs when they said we're going to do an extended playoff and all that stuff. So right. it, was, it was probably one of the best runs in school history. Actually, some people might argue it was probably the best because no one's ever been to state yeah. uh, in Bacon's history before. Um, it was a disappointing end. We lost by two. Uh,
0: I'm still burned up about it. I'm still watching yeah. a little bit. Something in you're there, probably, about, uh, a couple times, yeah. before, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, um, but it, you know, it was a great run. Um, our kids bottled their tails off. Uh, so many different adversities coming up from the guys getting hurt um, to whatever it may be popping up and just the response of the kids. We talk about E plus R equals O all the time. Then plus response equals outcome. Mm-hmm. We can't control the event and we can influence the outcome, but we don't have direct control over it but the way our kids responded to so many different things from March all the way till November 14th, it was, it was unbelievable. It was great to witness. It's probably one of my, one of my most favorite teams I've ever been around at any level.
0: Right. Uh, I I feel it. Definitely. Um, You know, you mentioned your, your E plus R equals O Um, I know that's the big focus three in, in the kite brothers that they do. And I know, you know, urban was big with that at Ohio state. Is that something that you brought in or was that kind of instilled in the bacon mantra before you got there? No, that was actually something
1: I brought in. I got that from Urban uh, Meyer when I was up at Ohio State. And it just, it, it, it just makes sense. I mean, a lot of people think it's corny and they can think it's corny if they want. Right. Um, but it's, it's it, that's, that's life, like literally. I mean, you, whether it be fourth in inches or whether it be you trying to make a big sale um, to a big company or something as a salesman, it's, it's how you respond to certain situations that, that are going to make you and break you. And regardless of how you respond, sometimes that outcome is not going to go your way. But if you respond to the way, if you respond positively, positively to the outcome that didn't go your way, so next time when it comes around, you're able to handle it a lot better. You're able to learn from your experience, um, and it just makes you a better person. Uh, whether it's football, I mean, you name it, it goes down the line. Um, so right. that's something I brought in um, when we first. I first got back. We were kind of bought in. Second year, a little bit bought in. Third year, really bought in. And then this past year, I mean, it was it was like because this was the class that I came in with. is These mm-hmm. seniors that just graduated, that are graduating this year, um, and they really took it and ran with it. So, yeah, it was a it was a big testament to them. They helped me. Um, they helped me really instill this. Obviously, a lot of the coaches did, but the kids, the kids buying in is detrimental. Uh, to the success of the organization because the coaches can say stuff as much as they want but if the kids aren't saying it and the kids aren't coaching each other up on it right it's not, you're not going to be able to get as far as you want to
0: right and you know i can't speak for you but i'm sure i'm probably speaking to you a little bit some of the best teams that i've been on and that you've probably been on you know not only had had quality coaches and good coaching staffs, but were, were ran by the, the team and the players more than the coaches like you said the kids are the driving force you know the coaches it, it's easy when you can just sit back and and let your kids do it because they bought into that culture and they know what to expect and they know what to expect out of each other. Um, all right, next question here. 12-team um, playoffs. So you mentioned, you know, obviously the playoff run this year, um, you know, that was the big, you know, hubbub, if you will, as this season has gone on. And, and we kind of got a glimpse of it with, you know, everybody having the option of, of opting into the playoffs, which for, you know, some teams was a, was a first playoff appearance. Some teams was a first playoff win. Some, you know, some teams maybe, maybe squeak through a crack and, and won a game or two when they may have not got in, you know, if the season was, you know, a normal one, so to speak. Um, you know, obviously in, in Ohio, we have seven divisions. Um, and, you know, typically as of up until this year and then into next year, it's been your top eight teams in the region. Um, you know, just kind of initial thoughts from from you as a, as a player, now a coach, you know, how do you feel about the switch to a 12-team playoff as opposed to eight
1: At first, it was just like, oh, no, I don't like that. And, you know, and the more that I think about it, I don't mind it. I don't want to see it go past 12. Um, I don't want to give a participation trophy, and I don't want to extend the season out for these kids because, I mean, it's one extra game for some kids. Obviously, the first round, there's teams that get the first round by. Right. Um, I I didn't – I actually liked it a little bit. Uh, um, I think it was cool uh, for some teams because it's hard to get in the playoffs in Ohio. Like, it's really hard. Like,
0: there's what
1: there's 20 uh, anywhere from 20 to 28 teams in a region It right. only take eight um, it, it's hard to get in the playoffs so i think going to four is a little is good obviously the o- ohsa has got to make their money which is which school is i mean i don't i respect it <laughs> i definitely respect it so but i think it's i think it's good for some of these teams to get in that originally wouldn't get in cuz then you get to see some of those upsets you get to see um, those teams kind of build their program up a little bit whereas opposed to before when you couldn't get in the playoffs if you were a nine seed um they have that opportunity there was a couple teams this year that made some upsets like obviously it was voted this year so it was a little bit skewed Mm -hmm. um but there was a team that brussell ended up beating the number three seed in the region you know it was it was kind of wacky how things went down so uh i I really liked it i thought it was cool to see um i don't want to see it go past anymore though because i don't i don't believe in participation trophies uh and i don't think teams want to just I don't think teams want to get in the playoffs just to say they're in the playoffs and then get waxed by 50
0: and then have Mm -hmm. their kids get hurt either. So Right, right. Um, Okay, I'm going to go ahead and switch it over to you, um, and then we're going to get talking about, like I mentioned at the beginning, your speed analytics, um, and I'll kind of let you, you run the table from there. Awesome. Okay. Is that it? working its way through, I think. There we go, sorry. No, you're good. Okay, you see my screen? Yep. Okay.
1: So before I get in, uh, I'll just go ahead and pull this up. This is our last year's sheet. So um, before I even get started, I got to give credit to Tony Holler. Um, P, his name his, his name on Twitter is PNTrack. Um, you should go follow him if you're a high school football coach uh because i think what he's what he the information that he's given us uh for our program has absolutely changed the game for us um actually i'll go, I'll go to this one, So why not screw it why not why not um these aren't updated yet but um he's absolutely changed the game him uh there's a lot of strength coaches out there i gotta think coach coach g down at fau he's a big believer in it um You look at uh, rugby strength coach, Keir. I've I've talked to him a few times back and forth on Instagram. He's a great dude. He's kind of up. He's kind of turning the industry on its head right now, and I love it. Uh, Mm -hmm. The strength industry, um, so to speak. Um, He's a big believer in uh, speed training guys. Um, I mean, there's countless people, countless resources. Uh, Dan Casey's one. I mean, heck, I'm trying to give out. I'm, I'm trying to give as many kudos as I possibly can to people I've reached out. Brad Dixon. Uh, in Illinois, he's a guy I've talked to about it. Um, man, there's if I forget anybody, I do apologize. we um, to there's make a list
0: at the end of this year,
1: and we can shout um, them out later. Absolutely. Um, but, no, I, the biggest thing that I got from this – so I remember my, my first year um, coming in as a strength coach. This is my fourth year as a strength coach here. My first year, I mean, I was, I'm, you know how it is, the Dunning-Kruger effect. You feel like you got it down. You think you know everything, but right. you really don't. Um, and, and we actually weren't doing bad. We, we did some good things in the weight room. Um, we, our kids got a lot stronger. Uh, and then I was, I was confirmation bias for me. So it was like, cool. Uh, we conditioned, but we had more injuries than I liked. Um, we conditioned more than I liked to. Um, uh, we didn't condition as much as we did in college. So I'll go, I'll go back really quickly and backtrack. When I was in college, um, our strength coach was absolutely nuts. Uh, we would go in the weight room, do max reps, max squat, come outside, run five fifths. If you don't know what a fifth is, we'd run around. It's 300, basically 325-so yards around the field. Uh, big guys had to make it in like 63 seconds, mid-skill 55, skill 50. And if you didn't make it, you had to run another one. Guys were puking left and right. I'm had to call calling, an ambulance. I'm just thinking about it right now, man. Yeah, literally. Got, my got, Had to call an ambulance. One of my teammates died for 30 seconds, came back to life. I mean, it's crazy yeah. stuff. Um, one time we ran 32 110s, we got to 16, uh, and then we, uh, he didn't like the way we were running, so we started us over and we ran 48 110s that day after a lower body workout. Right. Um, so I, like after, after experiencing all of that and then watching kind of how some of our injuries have built up over the first year and a half, um, actually, it was just really the first year, um, I, I, wanted to, I started doing research. I was like, man, how can I do more to prevent these injuries that keep popping up? right because um, we were getting better attendance in the weight room it wasn't as good as uh we did, had the next year and then this 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 year upcoming um but i was looking i was like how do i how, how do i do this so i started looking i don't know how i stumbled upon it but i would just remember i was scrolling through twitter one day and i saw tony hall's tweet and yeah, i started reading through his articles i'm like man feed the cats and that sounds like baloney i was so pissed because it was like it was completely against everything that i've been doing right uh, t- talking about essentialism and really what what he means by essentialism is doing as much as you need to and not going overboard you don't want to it's better to have to throw the steak back on the grill uh than to take a steak off the grill that's uh that's burnt so right uh, a lot of that stuff in terms of conditioning uh whatnot and basically the premise of feed the cats is if you type in the hashtag feed the cats you'll see coaches from all over the country um that use it and that post their times um a lot of it is it's it's player driven but it's really data driven so like If you look here on my screen, my screen's still shared, right? Yep. So when we started this, we started, um, actually, I can go back. Um, Let me type it in. Feed. I think I have one from 2019. There it is. So if you go back, it's a lot uglier back now. Hmm. Um, If we go back to our very first speed training session, I remember mulling over this over the 4th of July weekend on this this opposite way. Um, We started that actually no it was before the fourth of july weekend so it was uh i think it was that end of june i remember running this past the head coach and the head coach kind of looked at me like i was stupid he's like what do you mean we're not going to condition i'm like just i just i trust me i know it sounds stupid but i spent like i i literally i like that week that we had off i spent five days in a row just reading nothing but feed the cat speed training articles yada 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 Mm -hmm. and i after i read it and after i just like reminisced on the experience that i went through in college of having injury after injury because we conditioned so much, I was like, you know what? Let's just try and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. So if you look through here, um, you got some guys on here. Luke and the Curso, He had a five-five-six his first time. Um, let's see, where's Nigel? He's not on here right now. Um, who's Ben Powers? Is one uh, good old Ben. We got a few kids on here. Tebby, Nolan Tebby, and we got some Nate Wall. got a bunch of guys who were they their times were just really slow and a lot of people they'll they'll test their kids but they only test them one time a year right um the premise between between or sorry behind feed the cats is you are constantly speed training your kids one to two to three times a week at the minimum one but you got to get two and you should get three if you can okay Um, what the premise was is low dose uh high intensity so we're our base workout, I'll, I'll, I'll go through our, what our base workout looks like. So, we go out and we do our dynamic warm, warm up, but really, our dynamic warm up on our speed days is a lot of speed mechanic stuff. So, high butt kicks, uh, A skips, A marches, um, what we call booms, which is a qu- uh, quick exchange in a running form. Mm-hmm. Um, we work on a little bit of arm action sometimes. We'd work on bounds, prime time. So, if you know who Deion is, Deion oh, Sanders, yeah. uh, whenever he would do his strut to the end zone, actually a really good sprint drill to develop lower body uh power right um i mean you name it we we did all those type of speed drills and then after that we would do some 10 yard accelerations if it was a 40 day um and then we would go run uh some wickets to work on our speed mechanics Mm -hmm. uh and then after we did that i give the kids about a five minute break um and then we go run our 40 so here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about speed training this is the most important thing um, there's a very fine line between speed training and conditioning. Um, conditioning is basically, so basically if you want to condition a kid, you just basically kind of have to look at the sport and reverse engineer it. Um, so football play is what, six to eight seconds, yep. uh, 38, 30 to 40 seconds between. So then that's how you kind of get your conditioning from there. Um, but with speed training initially, uh, what we did is we, uh, I took, uh, Tony Holler's model. Um, and what we would do is we would go. So if a kid ran a 40 yard dash, he would run, uh, for every 10 yards he ran, I should say, he would have one minute to a minute, 15 second break. So that kid between 20 or 40 yard dashes, he's getting anywhere from a four and a half minute to a five minute break, depending right. on dash, what we're trying to do. Um, Cause what that allows that allows you to do is allows your central nervous system to recover between bouts. So you can repeat, repeat that sprint. Um, obviously as we progress in the summer, um, we start to do more and more of those forties some of after two, we won't time them, but we'll just kind of do some competitive races. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we kind of build up to that. We don't, we don't just give a bunch of volume at the beginning. So we start off 2 we'll do two throughout the whole entire winter, um and we won't go past that typically we'll start races some part in the winter but not not typically um once we get to the spring and the weather starts to break we do that a little bit on our mondays and our thursdays depending on what day it is um we'll race 40s on mondays um thursdays it's 10 yard flies and then we'll do a drill it's called the chase drill um basically there's one guy in the middle two guys on the outside and the, the starters on the guy in the middle and the two guys on the on the outside are trying to catch the guy in the middle OK, because um, I mean, the theory is that you run faster when someone's chasing you when you're trying to chase somebody. Right. Uh, and it's, it's good for competition. And we call up the loser and the, whoever the loser is, they go to the middle for the next rep. It, it's been really good for our kids. Um, but the thing about those speed days. So since they're so low, low dose, high intensity, um, the biggest thing that we would. Uh, the thing, biggest thing that we had emphasized to the kids um, was focusing on the little details that make your sprint technique better the intent of what you run and all of that, because it can really easily turn into a slap around session if you're not controlling it as a coach, because sure. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you got a long break between your sprints. Um, you're sitting there with your buddies. Um, but if they're not focused on our technique, they're not going to get better. Uh, obviously running the sprint in general was going to make you better, but the more you focus on that technique, um, in the cues that we are running through, uh, the better that you're going to get at that. So going back to my screen here, um, we're in october uh who did i point out earlier i think i pointed out uh tabby so Tebby is a five to eight in october and if you go back to july so where is he and these are hand time um hmm. we do not have a free lap system but free if you have a free if you have, if you have the ability to get a free lap please do right uh, so, so this is July, so within three months, Tebby went from a 569 uh, to a 528. Sh- and he was he was 6'3", 280 pounds. and was not a small guy. Big dude, right? Um, big dude running fast. So um, I think that was really key for us running, doing speed training, because what it did is what it, it helped our kids get stronger in the weight room, obviously, because there's nothing, like obviously there's some lifts that you can do to improve speed, but the only thing that's going to get speed better more specifically is sprinting right Uh, so that's why we spend a lot of our time sprinting Um, it kept our kids fresh Um, what what our kids would do um sorry what are not our kids what we would do as coaches is we would we kind of geared our practices based off of when we were speed training so if we speed trained a day um we would go high intensity during our practice and then the next day we kind of back off a little bit in terms of the hitting stuff we'd still be in pads probably we back off a little bit, try to let the central nervous system recover. Then right. the next day we come back out, ramp it up again. And then we would sprint again. Um, and that was something that we kind of did, but we never, we, we were making sure that we weren't trying to overtax the kids because speed training is cool and all, but if you're not doing the things outside of it uh, to take care of the bodies, they're not going to be able to continue to get faster through the season. And that's exactly what our kids did. Um, that And I think that's important to realize for Feed the Cats is because a lot of people will say, yeah, hey, we're speed training, they're speed training, but then they go out and they'll do a three and a half hour practice right. in the middle of October. And I'm like, well, you're, you just ruined everything. Right. Um, the biggest thing with Feed the Cats, speed training, whatever you want to call it, you can name it your own thing if you want, is you never let today's work ruin tomorrow. Um, I think that's really important. Um, obviously, uh, there's a time where you got to get after it, but you got to, I think it's important that you're strategic about how you plan your days. Um, because if you're not, you're by the, by the sixth, seventh week of the season, your kid's central nervous system is going to feel run down. Their bodies might not feel run down, but they're just going to feel tired. Um, and then that performance is going to, is going to impact. Um, Brad Dixon, I got this from Dixon, from who's, who's a coach in Illinois. Um, he likes to keep, he calls it, likes to keep his kid, uh, kids caged up until Friday. Um, so like basically his week of practice is really, really light. Obviously he ramps up, down, up, down, but it's not as much as you would think for a typical practice. And by the time they get to Friday, um, they're ready to go and they're fresh and ready to go. And, you know, that that was one the biggest thing that I realized um, when we started doing it. It was it took me it took a whole season for me to finally get everyone on board with it. Mm-hmm. Um, people were still doubting it four weeks into the season, uh, obviously, because we w- one of our first two games. It was our first game was a blowout. Um, so we our starters played a quarter and a half. So then we got to the second game and everyone's complaining like, our guys are tired, our guys are tired. I'm like, well, we only played a game and a half, so just be patient with this. Right. Um, and then after that, you started to notice, we started to boat race guys. Obviously, we went to a different lead and whatnot. But once we got to the playoffs, like, we were boat racing guys this year. Like, it wasn't, like, even close. Like, if you watch our team speed mm. um, across the board at every position, we were running guys down. We were running past guys. We were exploding on guys, whether it was a lineman or a linebacker or whatnot. And I think a big part of that, obviously what we did in the weight room and how we took care of them, uh, there was, but a lot of it was the speed training. Um, Because our guys were fresh, they were ready to go. Um, I I can can go on and on for hours, um, but I think that was the biggest thing that kind of helped us uh, really get to the state game this year. Uh, For some reason, if if we didn't have an opportunity outside of season to sprint because it was like storming or raining outside, um, we would test the vertical um, because a lot of people don't realize sprinting improves jumping and jumping improves sprinting. It's a very right. similar mechanic thing, uh, but it, it, it was, it, re- it was really good for us to do that as well. Um, I'll go, let's, let's go to a random week here. Um, this is this off season um, so far. So I, I, I got a little bit more fancy with my Excel sheet. So if you look here, this is a kid's PR um, in there in this column. Mm-hmm. So you look at our kids now um, and if you're in black in the PR column, that means they have the best time yep. for their group. Um, it's hand time, too. So take it with a grain of salt. Sure. Um, but I will say I, I hand timed it one guy and I videoed it and I went back and hand timed the video. It was the same exact. So I'm not saying I'm the world's best timer, but, but I'm not saying you're not right. I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> so right. now you get better at it. Um, I'm, I'm really I'm really I'm really strict about how I time the 40s. As soon as they move, I don't care what age they are, I'm t- I start the timer. Right. As soon as they pass me, I'm done. Um, and I think that's how you have to do it. You can't cut them any slack. Otherwise, they're not going to get better Sure. Uh, in terms of their time. Um, and I think the biggest thing that we... we sorry, I'm kind of just going back through back and forth through this. No, you're fine. I'll go back to the progress sheet. I haven't updated this in some time. It's like there's guy, the guys, when they first got in they start 40 time and then look at where they are now. So if you look here, one of my linebackers, he was the District Player of the Year, um, he's going to Finley. Uh, mm-hmm. He's six foot, two hundred twenty-seven pounds. He, when he first came in, he was what six foot two, maybe five eleven, actually two oh three. Now he's six foot two twenty-seven. His fastest time that he ever clocked in a hand time forty was a
0: four three eight.
1: Now mm-hmm. constant, consistently, he hits four, he hits four four eight, four five every single time we hand time like, mm-hmm. like like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Right in the span of a year and a half. He dropped five tenths of his forty. Um, we have a hundred percent approval. Or sorry, sorry, not approval. Improvement rate. Sure. So You go down the board. Uh, James Allen five eight, all the way down to five three. Richard Allen five four seven to five three. Uh, Bryson and Andres, big guys, skill guys. You name it, they're improving mm-hmm. left and right. Um, we had a guy go from drop eight tenths. So the guys that we got differential over here in this column, th- these are the guys. Um, if they're highlighted, they have the biggest differential in their skill group. Guy dropped eight-tenths, guy dropped five-tenths, um, guy dropped a whole second. Right. Um, so it's like it, this stuff works. You know, I was skeptical at first, and our head coach was really skeptical at first. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't blame anyone for being skeptical on it because it's very counterintuitive. Mm. Um, but we made it work, and it worked for us. Now, that being said, we still conditioned. Um, monday wednesday we would speed train but tuesdays in the summer um we would we would do agility stations but we wouldn't go overboard with it we, we would right. do agility stations for i don't know three minutes rotate through um and then on on thursday we will, we, we would always empty the tank on thursday we would sa- we would save our highest volume workout and our highest volume conditioning um for that thursday whether it be tempo runs or whether it be sled pushes, uh, I'm a big fan of sled pushes. We get the sled out and we do three sets of, I don't know. We start with, we start with two sets of three. And then by the end of the summer, we get to like four sets of four um, on the sled pushes. Any and the, and the weight that's on the sled is like, I don't know, I think we're anywhere from 75, 60, nah, 75 to 95% of the kid's body weight, you know, just to kind of input, sorry. Uh, losing my train of speech right now yeah. um, trying to improve the kids uh, power output while right. conditioning while uh while kind of emptying the tank and getting stronger as well so um that's kind of how our st- that's how we structured our stuff we, so we still did condition in a sense but we didn't go overboard with it and if we did go overboard with it at some point we did it at the end of the week that way we had all all weekend to recover and then they come back fresh on Monday ready to speed train again because sure. at the end of the day, and any sport, if you look at any any sport across the board, speed is the number one factor. Mm-hmm. How fast you freaking swing the golf club, how fast you get from that tennis ball on the left side of the court to the right side of the court,
0: right? How fast
1: you can cover the uh, the the receiver running a fifteen yard comeback, ten yard post, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Speed kills, and if the kid, the faster a kid is, the better a kid's going to be. The metrics are out there. Tony Holler wrote with this art, wrote this, written this article. Um, about how basically all the top guys, which is not true for every position, sorry, every guy that's come out, but a lot of the top linemen that are getting picked, they have some of the top 40 times. Oh, yeah. um, obviously there's some outliers in there, but the, the, it's speed kills because a lot of those guys that can run fast, they're able to output power a, at an efficient level. Um, and that's why they're getting drafted so high. So obviously the, I don't, I'm not a big fan of all the combine stuff, mm-hmm. but I do think the 40 is a good, me- is a, I don't think it's a great metric for combine necessarily. I think they'd be better served off doing 10-yard flies to measure a guy's maximum uh, miles per hour, which I can show you here in a second. Um, But I think uh, in terms of testing with 40s and 10-yard flies, I think you do your program a huge favor by doing that. Um, If you look at – is this our last week? Yeah, so we went last week. Um, So right here I have our PRs again, but right here in this column is our miles per hour. And there's a formula in each cell. So the formula is, uh, if we did yards, since we did yards, it's 20.45 divided by their 10 fly average, which is in the E column. Yep. And that would give them their miles per hour. So this kid ran 17 miles an hour. Our fastest kid ran um, 21.9 miles an hour. That's Nigel again. So mm-hmm. he's kind of he's kind of a freak athlete. Um, right. So that's kind of what we do with that, um, and the kids love it. And the biggest part of it, if you see at the top of the screen, it says rank. Sorry, record, rank and post. Mm-hmm. We always post the speed times. We always put them out there. I don't give a I don't give a rat's tail if someone uses it for scouting because I know we're going to be fast. Right. They're that they're that worried about our team. They're that worried about our team. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does is it allows our kids. Just, it, it, it creates a competitive competitive nature within the team and within themselves to say, hey, I'm going to beat my time for last time. Right. Oh, this guy beat my time. OK, I need to beat him. Oh, okay. I can do this. Oh, I made a new record. I pr all that stuff, and I make sure I, we post in our weight room TV uh, every single day after we done, and we post it on Twitter, and then at the end of the week we post it on Instagram. Right. So we make sure that we put that stuff out uh, because it's it's really it's not for me. It's not. I really don't care about getting any credit for this because I got it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really about giving the kids the credit that they deserve, um, but then helping them see the fruits of their labor and then helping them to continue to create a competitive environment so that. They want to be there. Like, I remember I sent this, I sent this screenshot to Tony Holler. Oh, I wonder if I have it. After we started speed training, um, how long ago was it? This was actually, it was two years ago when we started speed training. Um, I think I can find it really quickly and read it. Um, let's see what it says. I got to scroll, 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 scroll. Um, back in 2019. So yeah, I sent a sent a huddle message. I remember. Uh, this I think it was two weeks in. I sent a message to everyone. I was like, "How'd everyone feel running around today? Fresh and not tired or what?" Um, one kid tired at first, but once we started to hit it, I felt a lot better. I was not tired. I felt a lot better than last. I uh, felt a lot better than last year. A lot better. Very fresh. Very little tiredness. I was a little tired, but I felt great. Um, compared to what we felt like before. So uh, it works. Um, it keeps your kids interested. It keeps your kids wanting to come back for more. Um, it's improved our intended, attendance and it's improved our team speed. It's improved our team strength. I mean, you name it, it, it works. Um, and I know a lot of people don't have the patience for it, uh, but I think it's something that it would serve your program and uh, measures that you can't measure. Sure. Um, um but yeah, that's pretty much our speed training stuff. Um, I wish I had some video of one of our kids. I
0: might have a video of a kid, um, running on here somewhere. Well, and while you're looking, I think you know the biggest thing you had said was you know competition. I mean, competition. Competition breeds competition, especially with you know when your kids are are they're in it every single day. They're they're literally competing against each other and seeing who's faster and who's improving times. Um, you know in and I think a lot of that translates into, you know, if you're playing on Friday night, you know, you know, as well as I do, not everybody gets to play on a Friday night, but those kids that are seeing the success, they're seeing the improvements in their speed training, in their 40 yard dash their 10 yard flies. Um, that, that's got to go a long way with keeping kids engaged, keeping them interested and keeping them active in the program.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, like our kids, like they basically told me how much it, it's, it's helped their morale. Like, I think it's, I think you do, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not doing it. And I don't want, I hate, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm talking down on people cause I'm not sure. Um, but what it does is it like, obviously you can't get every kid to run a four, four. Like that's, a, that's not a realistic goal. You shouldn't have that goal, but you need to be able to maximize the genetic potential of each and every single kid that comes into your program. And the best way to do that is through speed training. Cause some of these kids aren't going to be great at lifting weights. Some of them will be. Some of them will get better as the years go on. Some of them might, might not peak until they're a senior year. But if you're speed training them for four years, you're going to get the most out of that kid by the time he's a senior. Um, if you're speed training a kid for four years compared to the same type of kid and you don't speed train him for four years and he's just an average player, you're not going to get much out of the average player. As, whereas com- compared to the other kid, you're going to get something out of that kid. Um, it's, I, it's, I've, just, I've seen it happen so many different ways in just in the past two years when, since we started speed training. So. Right. Uh, I think that's detrimental. Um, if anyone wants this template, I will gladly share it with them. Um, I don't care. I, I have nothing to hide. Right. Uh, so. But, yeah, I, 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 I can't I can't express enough how I'm, this has probably been the, one of the biggest things. Obviously, in the culture we've instilled um, at Roger Bacon has been huge um, and whatnot. But I would say uh, hold on, I do something wrong. Yeah, I would say the, the culture we've instilled at Roger Bacon has been huge and everything um, from the weight room and the way we approach things and how we address the kids and how we address them before weights and practice, but speed training, um, it, it creates a different vibe and a different atmosphere around the program. Um, and you can still speed train. You can still condition both, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I think that was – it, it has changed Roger Bacon football for the better. Um, and I, I, I don't see us going anywhere anytime soon. I, I, I said, see the tra- trajectory continuing to go up, um, especially with the kind of kids we get here because we're, we're smack dab, dab in the middle of the city. So we get a lot of good kids from all over. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my little spiel on it. If you want to talk to me about it, I'll talk to you as much as my knowledge. I'm the dumb guy in it. Right. Uh, there's a lot of guys, a lot of more guys who are better, higher paid and everything smarter than me that I can point you to, and they'll help you, they'll DM you as well, so.
0: Sure. Yeah. I got one last question for you. Um, so, like like we talked about earlier, you know, you, you saw a handful of coaches while you were at UC, at UC you know, Butch Jones, um, you know, who who from UC went to, and you know, has since at Tennessee. He was most recently as an assistant at Alabama. Now he's, you know, the new head coach at Arkansas State. Um, you know, Tubbs. Uh, came from Auburn, then to UC, you know, now he's a U.S. Senator, I believe. So he's kind of done everything under the sun, Um, you know, our our current guy, Luke Fickle, um, you know, you as a UC former student athlete, um, you know, what does UC have to do to keep him around? Because I think he is absolutely pivotal to, you know, not only, not only the success of the program, but just, you know, as the face of now the Cincinnati Bearcats, what do we got to do to keep him, keep him home?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So, you know, so when I was up at Ohio State, I was around Luke Pickle, and he's probably one of the best dudes I've ever been around in terms of just not even just a football coach, but just a just a just a genuine cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's built a great thing. Him Brady and all uh, him Brady, uh, Brian and all those guys—they've built a great thing. I'm a alma mater. That's great stuff that they're doing. I think the biggest thing um is meet that guy's demands <laughs> um if he wants something go get it for him mm. um but I think at the same time I think he's really happy I don't think he's looking to jump to go different places obviously he even interviewed for Michigan State um I, this is my opinion might have been a leverage move more than anything mm. uh but I don't think he's ready ready to go anywhere I think in my opinion I don't know if I'm wrong or not but I think the only place he would go um was probably back home to Ohio State if Brian Brian Day left which I understand because he's played there um and he he's from columbus as well right Um, but i think he's really happy in cincinnati um his family's really catholic um cincinnati's as catholic as it gets Mm -hmm. um i know he's got what a few more younger boys up the line one just graduated from moeller Mm -hmm. um so i think he likes it here i think uc's just got to keep meeting his i don't he's not a really demanding guy um but i guess you can call him demands um just kind of meet him where he is and kind of let him uh Push the program forward. Obviously, I think getting into a power con—I think what would s- solidify it is getting to a power five conference. Um, I, I, it, it upsets me that we have to do that because I feel like U.C. has proved himself time and time again, regardless of where we've been, um, regardless of who we played against. Um, we've always risen to the occasion. We've always played whoever, whenever, wherever, um, and that's always the way the Bearcats will roll. <laughs> it is what it is. Sure. um But I think if we could get into a power five conference, preferably, preferably. Preferably the SACC, because um, I think the Big Twelve might blow up. In my opinion, uh, I think that would be the best one, because um, I think Texas has got too much of a stronghold on the Big Twelve, sure, um, and whatnot. But them in Oklahoma, but more so Texas. But I think if we can get into a Power Five conference, that would that would make it a lot easier for him to say no to anything else. But I do think I do believe that he is happy here, and I, I'm glad that he is here. Um, I'm glad that he's doing great things at the alma, our alma mater because. Um, it was rough. Um, it was rough for a few years. I'm not going to talk bad about any particular coach, but right. um, Yeah, there was, it was rough for a little bit. So, Uh, that's that (laughs) I'm glad he brought it back
0: right well Solomon I appreciate your time man and I'll keep you on here for a minute or two um, if you don't mind sharing the screen back to me but again you know obviously this is our first episode of our of my washed up you know podcast experiment here Um, a lot of great you know truth bombs some good knowledge that you share with me in terms of your speed stuff that you guys do um, and just kind of your journey as a as a player into a coach you know now as a as a very qualified defensive coordinator for, you know, a team that made almost a state title run this year, you know, in division five at Roger Bacon. So, you know, I appreciate your time. Um, And, you know, I, I know everybody that hopefully we get some viewers that tune into this thing, whether it's one or, you know, a thousand, we'll see where it goes from there. But, you know, obviously, you know, thanks for spending some time with me tonight. I appreciate it, man.
1: Yep. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me.